you, Mariana, for the generous introduction. Um, nice to see so many faces, so many familiar faces. I, um, I'm going to try something. So I hope you can bear with me. I want to try and play something first. Let's see, sharing my screen. Can you all see this? Yeah. Can you wait? Yeah. Can you, mm, hold on. We go far, far away. But I mean, we go far, far away. Come this way. Far, far away. I would feel so free from all this. Oh, we need to escape. Yes. Okay. I'm going to ask you to hold on to that. I'll come back to it. Um. Everyone can hear me? Okay. So uh, as Mariana said, I recently <laughs> serve as curator of uh, temporary exhibitions at Fonalba Museum. And prior to that, I was uh, at Casco for 10 years. Um, I began there as an intern and uh, left as deputy director. And uh, they, they allowed me <laughs> in a sense to move on to Von Abbe Museum. Uh, and the assembly has been a way for us to keep in touch. And um, more recently in these kind of Zoom situations, I've been introducing myself in relation to what I'm doing, um, which is a way of maybe also anchoring some of the references that come up, but also maybe lay bare the limitation or the boundary of the scope that I'm working from. Um, at the museum, at no other museums, we recently opened uh, an exhibition called Positions, Bodywork. I'm a little bit responsible for this uh, poor title, but what it does do is draw from its definition. So the idea of the body as a shell, a working machine, and a site of the senses, uh, further speaking to like themes of labor, technology, pedagogy, and ethics that run across the exhibition. So there are five solo exhibitions with artists Zach Blass, Pranit Soy, Naveen Kandosos, um, Ayla uh, Steinborg, and where I'm concerned, Lore Provo. Um, and the film that I began with is, is, is from her. Um, and I inherited working uh, with Lore, um, and she's also in the museum archive. And I'll come back to that a little bit later. Uh, but I've been thinking about this in relation to this word collection that was brought up yesterday, particularly the idea that one can build one's own archive according to the principle that they choose uh, and according to the pr principles that they want to promote. So evidence, for example, in the likes of uh, the Library of Unread Books that Renee and Heeman presented yesterday and they brought forward this, this notion of uh, the project kind of forcing the institution's hand. To, to become freely accessible 
um, and provide a kind of communal space or um, forcing the institutional hand to, um, to kind of advocate or make space for a commons resource space. So centering like practices of redistribution or pre-distribution as we articulated it when, um, when they showed at Casco. Um, and I also, and this in like in, in, in contrast, right, to in the museum space, which centers a uh, kind of canon, canonist type of building. And I loved uh, Heman's response uh, yesterday to the question, if the museum owes more. Um, and he said something along the lines of, it depends on the museum. We cannot generalize about institutions, but we, we try, we as in the Library of Unread Books, we try not to take too much uh, and often ask for just a spare room in the institution, which to me speaks to this notion of building one's own tools, uh, not replicating like the damages of the institution, an abolitionist uh, grammar or practice, we might say, which leads me to my second introductory point. Um, I'm also working on a collection presentation where I'm primarily thinking through the question like which art movements, grammars for living differently or justly come to the fore in the collection when addressing the role of art in, uh, in self-determined and uh, democratic societies, which is to say I'm, I'm working through the Fanaba Museum's collection and archive to determine so much as I can. I mean, it's a, we have like 3000 uh, works, give or take, uh, to determine which knowledge systems, economies, communities, or artistic grammars come to the fore in the discussion around institutional reform. I'm interested in what we can learn from, from such artworks. Um, and at the back of my mind or secretly, not so secretly, <laughs> I'm questioning how abolition or abolitionist uh, aesthetics figures into heritage institutions, which we can argue um, heritage institutions are reformists by nature, uh, precisely uh, maybe because their parts, their bodies, are mechanized for colonial, patriarchal, capitalist, white supremacist modalities, right? Um, so the heritage institution at best is reformist. And again, I'm sharing all of this <laughs> to share where my mind is at and the limits of this, and maybe also as a way to invite you to visit me at Fanaba. <laughs> um, to say it again, it's been uh, lovely to see so many familiar faces and Mm, I want to try, if I can, speak to two things. That is how the assembly is happening uh, next to the content of yesterday. So the latter maybe has to do with this idea of institutional memory. Um, and because, or the former rather, and because yesterday Katrin Baum started us off in a sense, I came to think of who was not there with us. Uh, Bina also spoke to, to this, right, in her introduction, honoring those that are not able to join us in this moment. And I came to think about Kuba, Kuba Zreider, who was the first, who was in the first iteration of the Assembly for Commenting Art Institutions called Elephants in the Room, uh, which kind of workshopped and learning exercises. And in a sense, I suppose, like, lay the ground for some of these relations that we're witnessing now, um, including uh, the steering committee 
which I'm speaking on behalf of. So um, Kuba was presenting in the company of Katrin Bourne presenting company drinks. And for all of you that were there and can recall, uh, there was something um, quite comical about us trying to fit <laughs> in the Costco space. Um, we were kind of piled on top of one another. Um, and kind of spilling over into different like nodes and, and nooks and crannies. And uh, Casco made, Casco uh, Kuba made this, this joke of this analysis that um, the institution or the institutional space can't, can't hold the, the commenting effort that was playing out, um, which is maybe precisely why Moten and Harney situate commenting as an undercommons, right? Kind of subverting a space or a building. And yesterday in the chat with Karen community, I was uh, circled. Um, uh, uh, Karen community shared with me <laughs> that a word that might be useful to us in that moment, although not a C word, is attunement. Uh, to be, and the, the kind of complication in that. The best example is, uh, this is care and community writing. The best example is between mother and baby. It works through the voice, body language, touch and gaze, difficult to attune over Zoom. And then I came to think, ah, again, <laughs> Zoom <laughs> maybe cannot uh, host the commenting effort evident in the kind of uh, the subversion of it that um, like Casco team helped to beautifully choreograph. Um, so when we think about the choreography of yesterday from, from us embodying uh, the different terms that uh, were around the table to the chat space, to the editorial space, uh, to the kind of long form conversations that built over three odd hours with many bodies and beings around the table. And this to me points uh, to a possible tool um, that I haven't fully worked out yet, but luckily <laughs> we have more techno literate people who can speak to this. Uh, we have um, uh, Yinai Wen, <laughs> Plato Hedro, <laughs> who can maybe better imagine what this uh, technological space um, with its many parts might look like. And in reflecting this uh, yesterday with uh, Rosa, Rosa Pardon Coper, uh, they brought the analysis of uh, commenting in real time, saying like it, it's a form of commenting in real time, otherwise we're just broadcasting. And they recalled, um, something they learned from their coding course, the coding course they took over the summer, and that is uh, what would a digital platform look like if it was designed by people who love you? So this leads me to the idea of like tooling, uh, the tooling of artworks for the commons. Um, and which is maybe what I'm trying to negotiate by playing lore at the beginning. Um, and in another private chat, <laughs> I was talking to Tessa about uh, how we're doing. And I use this expression, I feel worn out or stretched. 
um, and that like Zoom fatigue is a real thing. Um, so I've been mulling over this idea of feeling stretched and also in relation to what Mia brought uh, in connection to care and particularly care practices as exercise in the all about my mother study group, I want to read a short passage about the notion of stretching in relation to uh, authors Amina Tussauds and Anne Friedman, the authors of Call Your Girlfriend, which is a book about the works that's the work that's necessary, I guess, to invest in lifelong friendship. If we think about friendship as a kind of form of community building, kind of beyond the nuclear family structure. Um, and it goes as follows. A healthy friendship involves stretches in both directions. When you're stretching, you're both making an effort to figure out how to adopt to your differences and to the shifting shape of, of your bond. Just like exercise, some of this emotional stretching feels good and some of it will make you feel like you can't take it anymore. Stretching is being challenged in a way that is both difficult and rewarding at the same time. The amount of stretching doesn't have to feel equal in every single moment. Sometimes one person will require more from the friendship than the other, but over time, the give has to even out the take. So holding on to this idea of stretching, yesterday we also added, or ended rather, with the idea of uh, the, kind of analyze the, the necessity of being in our bodies and uh, somatic uh, bodily exercises. And, and Maddie brought us um, the Zoom exercise of kind of stretching across the screen, <laughs> maybe to um, someone next to you. And that, that exercise kind of crystallized or confirmed uh, my sense to try and embody the octopus for the, this brief, brief session. And I, and now maybe it's coming a little bit full circle why I played this clip of the octopus. Um, embodying the octopus in kind of experiencing, feeling stretched or overwhelmed um, by the sheer scope of what we're trying to do, but also uh, in relation to kind of like tentacle thinking that's necessary to operate in such a, uh, a platform. Um, I think maybe part and kind of reflecting what it means to, to be tasked with recalling or recapping uh, what has stayed with me, I think of it as a kind of an exercise and maybe pointing to or suggesting a pathway um, that's in our most recent collective memory or archive, that of yesterday, right? And what that potentially holds. Um, so I propose <laughs> that I embody the octopus with its multiple tentacles, uh, a method of tentacle thinking uh, which I've learned from Laura Prevost, in which uh, kind of in her um, practice mix, she kind of undermines fixed meanings uh, and privileges instead wordplay and rhyme. And as far as we are concerned, uh, 
there's the undermining of fixed meanings towards a common lexicon. Um, and where we are concerned, these, these meanings are multiplied or deepened, thinking about the multiple editorial spaces. And incidentally, <laughs> uh, lore also has a lexicon. Um, that's a kind of recurring motif or backbone in her practice. And she refers to it as a legsicon. So the many legs of an octopus um, pointing to or suggesting like a multitude meaning, which is what's happening too, as we're expanding on these terms that people are, have brought forward. Um, and in, in conversation, she's described how an octopus's brain is situated in the tentacles, thus prompting beings maybe to think at the speed at which they experience both touch uh, or sense. So something like clap your hands together. Can we think as quickly as we can touch? Clap your hands together. Can we feel as quickly as we can touch? Um, and in her practice, there's a protagonist of uh, a goat, uh, which means in her language, which means you, and I'm proposing that the octopus means you. Um, and this has been something that we've been working through in the installation um, that kind of invites willing visitors, the possibility of unlearning to break free from habit-based learning and relying instead on their senses. So this idea of learning or de-learning, kind of going back to the first assembly, three years later, I am still um, <laughs> involved in. And, and this idea, I think, of becoming an octopus. Um, yesterday, Sina brought us this idea of blurring the boundary between humans and non-humans. Okay, so that's, First part. Second is kind of recapping the different tables or the different tentacles. Table one or tentacle one, uh, where we were introduced to Chefas, the clerk collection coin company. Um, this idea from Stacy's presentation of like, uh, how can we common the clerical? Uh, clerical pooling, um, cloaking as care work for the commons. And I relate this to the collection um, with the idea that clerking is perhaps connected to institutional memory. So it's informed, what's in dialogue with those that came before and those that will come after us. Um, the notion of like a distribution practice was explored through commons.art is introduced by Yi Nai Wen and uh, the Library of Unread Books, which I mentioned at the beginning. Um, this idea of making uh, interdependencies in uh, collective uh, practices, making them uh, visible and making their scale accessible was questioned. And then uh, Chefas, the, the Kunchi, communal dog, can we call it this? Or maybe our communal dog, um, was connected to the idea of interdependence 
So Chefas has uh, shared and inherited responsibility that exceeds the times of uh, single entities that are part of uh, the web of interdependence. That's something that was raised in the chat. Okay, and then table two or tentacle two uh, relating to circle, change, care, community. Um, this beautiful question uh, brought by Tessa. So I'm also kind of taking on figure of the octopus so that I can um, maybe channel the amazing facilitation work uh, that happened yesterday. So Tessa brought this question of in what ways have you stretched space to make community? Um, so commons as stretching both internal and external, uh, thinking about the thinking about space, I believe that came from Mia. Um, then was brought that anyone can initiate a sharing circle. So this idea of commoning as a as rapid prototyping. And then table three, tentacle three with the terms carbon, climate colonialism, community, cycling, curating. It struck me that um, the mobile museum looks a little bit like uh, an ear. We spoke a lot about listening. Um, and in, in the reflection on community, Luciana from Plato Hedro brought the brought kind of interesting challenge that they experience that when doing something together or for a community, um, the trick is not so much to depart from a place of trust, but to, to precisely depart from the place of no trust and then to continue to live together and build from there. Um, and then they also brought that the only tool is listening and the importance of uh, interpreting uh, the collective dream or the dream of the community you are in dialogue with or in service to. Uh, Asia brought this question of how do we continue to common during the pandemic? Uh, Catherine McBride, uh, how to keep endlessly working with the tools that we have and in a system that is based on finitude, which led to the idea of ritualizing to sustain the messiness of doing something endlessly. And the notion perhaps of embodying, embodying what you do so that uh, you don't get disappointed when you don't reach a, a finish line. And then from this idea of ritual to persistence, Clem, um, uh, Clementine Edwards brought uh, this beautiful Octavia Butler quote, habit is persistence in practice. Habit is persistence in practice, um, which is maybe another way of looking at or stretching this notion of unlearning or de-learning. Um, and then in the chat, someone left a prompt to think about timeline as opposed to a uh, limited time so that we don't fall into the trap of uh, replicating 
the production of cycle. Okay, tentacle four, table four, uh, cosmos care conflict, conflict transformation, and carnivalesque. So Valentina brought um, kind of difficulty of working from or within a collective uh, and brought this great question, what will it take to end, no, what will it take to extend to the sometimes disagree disagreeable guests? Uh, Maricia Leondaska invited us to think deeper about what slowness in a collective um, or in collective practices might mean and brought the example of Portis, um, this news agency, as I understand it, that focuses on, on why something happened rather than that it happened. So I understand this in, 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 in the guise of like long form or investigative uh, journalism, which is something quite different than just a report cycle, right? Um, and then Carolyn um, kind of echoed, echo, echoing uh, Valentina brought this notion of um, dissent should be supported and trauma-informed collaboration. Uh, and also brought the question of uh, whether institutions uh, can be transformative. Um, and maybe clue is, clue to kind of maybe work on that is to begin with rupture and repair as opposed to white supremacy. Which I think, and since all of this was kind of happening in, in response or kind of report of the Climate Justice Code, I think this, this idea of departing or centering repair um, is precisely what the Climate Justice Code is trying to do. So foregrounding repair, reparations and rematriation. Um, I have this quote from one of the contributors from the repair, reparations and rematriations working group, uh, climate justice activist, Josina Kalist, who has this quote to explain reparations. Let me begin by noting that reparation is not just about money. It's not even mostly about money. In fact, money is not even 1% of what reparation is about. Reparation is mostly about making repairs, self-made repairs on ourselves, mental repairs, psychological repairs, cultural repairs, organizational repairs, social repairs. Um, the quote is from Chinwezu. Um, so the, the notion of repair to her then clarifies the actions that we need by acknowledging specific harms and putting the task before the monetary value. And then Yin Aiwen uh, brought um, forward that um, there's a contingency, I suppose, that when we're thinking about these things, it should be accompanied with uh, togetherness and uh, time should be made affordable. Otherwise we can fall, fall into an uh, exploitative um, kind of ritual where people must sacrifice their resources. And finally, um, as we were thinking about embodied practice and yeah, I suppose trying to transcend the Zoom sphere uh, in relation to the body, 
um, Maddie in relation to the term carnivalesque um, said something along the lines of, when we come together to dance, we go beyond ourselves, breaking boundaries toward a cosmos. Mm, and that's, that's what I have. Uh, and maybe if there's time in the spirit of tentacle thinking, uh, I can invite others to chime in where, where, where I've missed something. Yes, I think we can have five more minutes while we're making the breakout rooms for the next session. So, Yolandi, if, but yeah, I'm not sure if. Or if anyone else wants to add something that I've missed. I don't see anyone raising their hands or unmuting themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Too many slides. Maybe we can share later after the breakout rooms. Maybe I can say, well, first of all, thank you, Yolande, for such a sharp and beautiful um, reminder of what happened yesterday and like extensions of that wonderful, super great. And uh, maybe the only thing that I, besides of all the beautiful things that you said, like a really like um, say a thank you also to the, mm. to the facilitators, which I'm so, I, I'm like so in awe of what you all did yesterday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Hodan, uh, Tessa, Ying, Whitney, just amazing. I'm charmed by the facilitation that you did. And I think it was far more than facilitation and fully expanded. Um, yeah, what is possible with uh, narration securing together what has been at the different tables. Mm. Um, yeah, I was like really like it, it stayed with me like uh, also some of the things that you said, but like expanded upon. Yolandi. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. I was <laughs> I was imagining <laughs> um, Hodan and Tessa and Whitney and Ying kind of channeling. So them trying to, how do you speak uh, to so many things simultaneously and hold space for complexity? It was honor to witness. Thank you. 